On this week's episode of My Take Radio, we're going to break down Bellator 170, the latest in MMA news, plus my predictions for UFC on Fox 23 going down this Saturday. And on the wrestling side of things, of course, we got Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live, the week's wrestling news, and my Royal Rumble and NXT predictions. My Take Radio's MMA and Wrestling Edition starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio, episode 390, powered by Rageworks. This is our MMA and wrestling edition, giving you the latest and greatest on all the happenings in the world of mixed martial arts and professional wrestling. I'm your host, Rich, and if this is the first time you've downloaded an episode of My Take Radio, first off, I want to thank you. Secondly, I want to let you know that My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. For the last 300 or so episodes, we've been doing My Take Radio live. Recently, we made the jump back to releasing it in a podcast-only format. For those of you that have had questions about that, feel free to check out our announcement on RageWorks.net. But real brief, I will say that the podcast episodes, uh, both for the MMA and Wrestling Edition and Gaming and Entertainment Editions, will be released uh, similar to the release schedule for our live broadcasts. We're going to be releasing the MMA and Wrestling Editions Thursday morning, Eastern Standard Time, and the Gaming and Entertainment Editions will be released Friday morning, Eastern Standard Time. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio by punching in the RageWorks Network or My Take Radio. All right, so a couple of housekeeping matters to get out of the way. First off, I want to thank everyone who has downloaded the first two podcast-only episodes of My Take Radio from last week and given me uh, some feedback, some critiques, some criticisms to help us get our groove going forward with podcasts. You know, you get used to a grind doing live episodes for so long that it becomes a little odd uh, recording a podcast on a regular basis versus just doing a live show and then taking that audio or video, cutting it up and releasing it to the wild. Now, I know a couple of you guys have asked about video once again for the YouTube channel for the shows. Uh, we've been doing it just with a stationary image and the audio with the episodes. I think we're going to continue doing that for the time being. But rest assured, I haven't closed the door completely on live broadcasts, just uh, relegating them to those special instances where we have guests or where we are doing milestone episodes, which in this case, my take radio episode 400 is around the corner. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will definitely be a live show uh, with audio, video, Maybe we'll find a way to take some calls. We'll see. I think that um, with the recent 
switch to going podcast only, we decided to stop using Blog Talk Radio because it was an expense that we just did not need uh, considering what we have going on. But in any case, the next live episode of My Take Radio will be episode 400. But until then, we'll keep releasing MMA and wrestling editions and gaming and entertainment editions in podcast format. And as always, you guys are welcome to share your thoughts on it. Feel free to email me or hit us up on social media. And we definitely got some cool guests in the works for the next couple of months, which we hope to share once things get confirmed. But until then, we're just going to leave you with that little tease and let us jump into this week's MMA news. Shall we? Let's get right to it. So I want to get the ball rolling with the big story from this past weekend, which was, of course, Bellator's 170 card, which, of course, had Tito Ortiz and Chael Sonnen in the main event. But it also had some very, very solid fights, including a very, very um, exciting fight that was on the card between Paul Daly and Brennan Ward. All right, so we're going to kick this off with our Bellator 170 recap. And the card itself, I got to say, was incredibly solid. A lot of good fights on that card, but it also had its fair share of, I don't want to say boring fights, but definitely fights that had no business being on the main card. One of those fights is the Halleck Gracie Hisaki Kato fight, which, um, you know, there was, we're expecting the, the typical, you know, Gracie fanfare coming into the fight, but the fight itself was just very, very, very uneventful. Hisaki Kato pretty much covered the fight, um, you know, from bell to bell with, a very, very inactive Halleck Gracie. If anything, maybe we started to see a little something in the third round, but at that point, it was too late. Hisaki Kato took the victory via unanimous decision, but it didn't matter. The crowd was dead, and most people that I talked to just felt that the fight was not as good as it was, you know, as it was sold. It was, you know, the the, the buildup to the fight, it was like, hey, you know, Halleck Gracie coming in after a long layoff, taking on a dangerous Japanese fighter in Hisaki Kato, uh, you know, the the story between the Gracies and Japanese fighters, etc., etc. You know, there, there was a lot coming into it. Halleck Gracie hadn't fought in seven years when, you know, the last fight he had was against Sakuraba back in, in 2010. Um, Kato, on the other hand, came in with, um, you know, a, a really dope, dope knockout over Joe Schilling. And... Um, you know, it, it, like anything else, you know, fighting a Gracie, uh, getting a feather in your cap if you beat them is always nice. But the fight, like I said, was just incredibly uneventful and was not a good way to showcase Hisaki Kato and definitely didn't do Halleck Gracie any favors either. But we went from that fight, which some people that I know called a sleeping pill fight, to number one, an exciting, a, a semi-exciting announcement that King Mo and Rampage Jackson were going to square off, but unfortunately, uh, Bellator botched that by showing the announcement on screen before making the announcement, so as soon as they were like, oh, we got this announcement, they showed it on screen, I was like, well, someone in the production truck is getting fired. Uh, in any case, they did announce King Mo and Rampage squaring off. We'll get into that a bit more in the MMA segment. Uh, you know, the... In, the overall face-off and just the selling of that fight was really bullshit, in my opinion. I got to say, you know, King Mo came off his loss to Crow Cop, coming in, fighting Rampage, who hasn't fought in forever. They're fighting at heavyweight. And, you know, the trash-talking is textbook King Mo Rampage trash-talking that they've done before. But it just it just didn't have any sort of excitement, any sort of real thrill 
to the announcement. Maybe just because of the way it was done, maybe the botch. But, I mean, I'm a Rampage fan. I always have been. But I just feel that his career as of late has been him just trying to stand and trade with everybody instead of using his wrestling and, and all the other tools in his toolbox instead just relying on the stand and bang mentality, which when you're fighting a guy like King Mo, who he actually chastised for, for wrestling, he's like, oh, you're going to sit here and hump me for three hours. It's It doesn't make any sense because it was Rampage's wrestling pedigree that brought him to the dance. The heavy hands were definitely a factor, but it was the wrestling that made Rampage who he was. And King Mo, we're talking about a guy that competed at the highest level. And even though his career has had some highs and lows, all in all, I felt King Mo was always a guy that was incredibly close to being a top star in any promotion, but different things got in the way. Bellator uh, definitely sees the upside to King Mo and leveraging his existing quote-unquote issues uh, with Rampage is, is a nice way to get him back in the spotlight. I think that a loss to Rampage will definitely hurt King Mo a bit, not because Rampage is uh, slow or or anything else, but just because we're at a stage where Rampage, you know, he's a good fighter, but a guy who's younger, faster, and has a more well-rounded toolbox can definitely take him apart, which is a damn shame too, because I still feel that Rampage has a couple of good years left in him, but we'll see what happens when the fight comes together. I'll give you more details, like I said, later on in the segment. Now, we went from the Gracie Cotto fight to a welterweight tilt between Paul Daly and Brennan Ward. Both guys known for their incredible stopping power. We know Paul Daly, nicknamed Semtex, is capable of ending a fight quickly. Brennan Ward is no slouch either. I mean, both guys, like I said, highlight reel KOs are definitely a very, very big part of their repertoire. And sure enough, this fight did not disappoint. As soon as that bell rang, you know, Paul Daly came out leveraging his three-inch reach advantage on Brennan Ward. And, um, the, you know, there was a nice little exchange. Everything was going back and forth. And, um, you know, Paul Daly connected at one point and he wobbled Brennan Ward. And, um, you know, Ward tried to, to, to shake it off and continue to move forward. And all of a sudden, they, um, they got up against the fence. They separated. Daly connected with a nice spinning elbow on the break. And a beautiful jumping knee just put Brennan Ward out. And it was... It was a beautiful sight. I mean, it definitely got the fans out of their seat. Fuck, it got me out of my seat. I was like, holy shit, just because I know Paul Daly is a knockout artist and he's going to give us highlight reel performances. Same thing with Brennan Ward. Like, both guys are no slouch. And I said to my wife, I'm like, this fight is going to end violently and quickly. And it definitely did. Um, For Paul Daly, it's 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 another great highlight reel knockout. It really puts him right up there in in title contention, in my opinion. Uh, you know, he kind of called out Rory McDonald next as as an opponent since he came over from the UFC, which I think is a is a good matchup. Paul Daly is a you know he's a guy who's been in the game a long time. It's unfortunate what happened with him in the UFC, as I feel Paul Daly definitely can make a big splash in the UFC ro- welterweight roster. But still, his performance against Brennan Ward was tremendous and sorely sorely needed on a card that was you know coasting along to say the least but definitely a beautiful finish for Mr. Daly now of course on the light heavyweight side of things Tito Ortiz taking on Chael Sonnen you know as I watched the build up to the fight there was a lot of trash talking Chael just just running at the mouth the entire build Tito Ortiz doing his usual Tito Ortiz and the thing was that the story going in was the 
you know, Chael Sonnen defeating Tito Ortiz during a collegiate wrestling match and, you know, leveraging that uh, bit of history to build this fight, which is fine. You know, Tito Ortiz wanted to go out on his shield. This was his last fight. He was going to retire fighting a guy who and avenging a loss that he suffered at the, uh, you know, at, at, in his early career is definitely a, a, a great story. Chael definitely turned it up another notch, talking about everything and anything possible from Tito Ortiz's ex-wife to, you know, problems with 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 money and cars getting repossessed. There was there was a legit amount of trash talking. And the thing was, I think that Chael Sonnen, in 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 the in the hope of really selling this fight, I honestly feel he lit a fire under Tito Ortiz's ass. I mean, Tito Ortiz came on, you know, in shape, which he's never out of shape. He just looked a lot better than usual. And um, Chael did not. I mean, the fight was contested at 205. Chael, you know, is a guy that's fought at 170, 185, and he usually comes in in really good shape. And when I saw Chael at the weigh-ins, he just looked like a guy that got off his couch and did not genuinely look his best. Now, I don't know if maybe there were other circumstances at play, but Chael did not look like the Chael that we've seen in previous outings. And that right there for me was an indicator that this fight was definitely not going A, to go to distance, and B, it was going to be something that we would be talking about for the foreseeable future. And sure enough, Tito Ortiz went in and, um, you know, he 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 went in, he used his wrestling. Everybody thought that he was going to go and uh, try and use the ground and pound. But it was it was interesting because, you know, Chael actually tried to go in for some a couple of different submissions. And, you know, Tito Ortiz ended up securing uh, top position. And from there, it was just a matter of Chael gave, giving up the back. And Tito Ortiz locking it in. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was that. Now, the thing is that when you look at the submission, people were questioning whether the fight was fixed or not, only because of the way that Tito Ortiz, his uh, his arm placement was on the chin. It wasn't completely under the chin, but it had enough of a squeeze to really put the the pressure on Chael. I mean, Chael was turning purple, which, you know, you, you got to... You got to acknowledge that the thing also was that Ortiz had a really good body triangle in place, which is definitely going to cut off a, a, a large amount of oxygen. And he held on to that submission, you know, like big John McCarthy had to pull him off. And it was interesting just because we know that there was bad blood going into it. And we know that Tito was trying to make a statement. And, you know, some people are going to look at it and be like, you know, you could have held you shouldn't have held on to the submission that long, et cetera. You know, it is what it is. But um, Tito Ortiz shut up the critics, including me. Um, and I'll, I'll go on the record and say it. I felt that Chael had this in the bag, uh, just because I felt that Chael was just a more, a more capable fighter, but I think that Tito Ortiz really, he really dialed it in and it showed. I mean, we saw, we, we saw a couple of, of really nice, uh, you know, just a couple of little things that, that Tito was showing. Like I said, good car, good movement, um, really good shoot for the, for the takedown. It was, it was tremendous. And, um, you know, he put he put Chael on, on his ass and that was it. I mean, you know, for Chael, it's interesting because a lot of people felt that this this ended up exposing Chael as just being a guy that that used his mouth more than anything to get him to the dance. And, you know, it, it's it's tough to dispute that, but it's also tough to not look at the accolades that Chael had going in. You know, Chael, Chael is a guy that went the distance, even with Anderson Silva, whether you love it or hate it whether the guy turned out to have one testicle or was on TRT or wasn't on TRT, whatever the case may be, he fought 
you know, an MMA legend held his own for five rounds and, you know, he lost. I mean, Chael, Chael's weakness has been submissions. We've seen that. Now, you know, the the, the Bellator machine is not going to look at this as, a, you know, something that devalues Chael. I think Chael brings a lot to the table, whether it's selling the fight verbally, uh, color commentary, announcing, whatever the case may be. They definitely have a commodity in Chael Sonnen and they should do everything in their power to leverage that for the foreseeable future. Obviously, many fans, including myself, would are looking forward to seeing Chael possibly mix it up with Vanderlei Silva uh, in the near future, and I think that's the fight that, you know, would really be a, a, a great way to showcase Chael. Again, one, you know, just genuine animosity between him and his opponent is, is an incredible motivator, whether it's for his opponent or for him, and, you know, Chael is one of those guys, he's polarizing. People want to see him either get smashed or smash somebody in the face. That's that's the way it works. Now, you know, a lot of people were were messaging me about the the outcome and they were like, "Damn, yo, fucking Tito proved you wrong." And I'm like, "Hey, he did." You know, I'm not I'm not going to make any excuses. I thought that the Tito that was going to show up was the Tito that, "Hey, I had a broken skull, a broken back. I lost cuz my ACL was torn. I had a lot of a lot of personal drama going into this fight." You know, the usual excuses, but there were there you know it it was what it was tito looked good you know he came out with his son it was very it was very emotional you know for the fans and even even you know for me as a fan watching tito fight one last time this is one of the guys that made me a fan of the ultimate fighter going back to the old days and yeah you know tito wasn't the the you know the best fighter or the greatest but his contributions to the sport can't be ignored and yeah you know he had his issues whether it was with ken shamrock or uh, you know, Chuck Liddell, Dana White, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, there were contributions that Tito brought to the table that really helped in, in one way or another put MMA on the map, whether it was the showmanship, uh, you know, the the brash, cocky attitude, whatever the case was, uh, you know, Tito was definitely a part of that. And, um, you know, it, it, it was it was definitely, a, you know, an emotional thing to see him leave his gloves in the cage, walk out with his son and, uh, you know, bid the sport farewell. But like as with anything, I doubt we've seen the last of Tito, whether it's a front office job in, in an MMA organization or managing or promoting. I, I can tell you that we definitely have not heard the last of Tito Ortiz. That's for sure. Now, you know, I got to say this. It, it raises interesting questions going forward, because one thing Bellator has done is that it has a and I've said this before, they have a good crop of up and coming fighters, but they really have found a good way to breathe life into veterans and guys that come out of the UFC that many people just aren't really on board with. And I say this in the sense of, I'll give you an example, Matt Mitrione. I like Matt Mitrione. He's a likable guy, uh, a fucking strong motherfucker, a big dude, uh, entertaining, well-spoken, and is fighting Fedor, <laughs> you know? It's like... Matt Mitrio went from, you know, being a, a fairly successful fighter in the UFC to fighting Fedor. Now, whether it's right or wrong, at the end of the day, you know, Matt Mitrion has a chance to be listed amongst the greats that defeated one of the, you know, one of the greatest mixed martial artists on the planet. And, and you know, people are always going to say what they want about Fedor, whether, you know, his record had his fair share of cans, etc., but at the end of the day, when Fedor was fighting, and I say this all the time, Fedor was fighting when when the when MMA had some of the most dangerous human beings walking the planet. And I'm talking about Vanderlei in his prime, Rampage in his prime, 
Mirko Krokop in his prime, the late Kevin Randleman, Don Fry, the list goes on. You know, Sakuraba, healthy Sakuraba, et cetera, et cetera. It's at Alistair Overeem at his best. Um, you know, you, you can't, yes, there, there definitely were some questionable fights in there as there would be with, with most of your favorite fighters, but Fedor's road wasn't easy. He fought some of the best of the best of the best. I mean, yes, fighting Matt Mitrione, eh, you know, am I, am I excited to see it? Sure. Because I'm just a, a fan of Fedor, the fighter. Now I got to say this Bellator would be wise to definitely leverage Fedor for some really big marquee matches. I mean, this is an instance where Fedor could cut down to 205. Maybe a Fedor Chael Sonnen match would, wouldn't be bad. Maybe a Fedor Vanderlei Silva fight wouldn't be bad at 205. Who knows? Maybe Fedor may even make a run at the title. But the problem is that, you know, the crop of fighters and the flexibility with Fedor is there. But fans, fans just want to see Fedor in the UFC. And I have a feeling that before, you know, 2017 comes to a close, 2018 may may be the year that we finally see the last emperor in the octagon and as a fan i really would love that to be the case but we'll see what happens i i I know that fedor is not going to hang it up without fighting in the ufc at least once or twice there's way too many great fights to to ignore uh in the ufc for fedor but again we shall see what happens now switching gears and jumping into the news of the week there there are definitely some noteworthy items one that j- that comes to mind rather quickly is um ah fighters and 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 boxing you know the the thing is that you know you know the the big story has been as of late the conor mcgregor floyd mayweather possibility and it's been there another thing that surfaced lately in an interview with fox sports was that manny pacquiao went on record to say that if floyd mayweather doesn't come out of retirement to fight conor mcgregor that he'll step in to do it uh, it's interesting just because Pacquiao, you know, his next fight is going to be against Jeff Horn. And, um, you know, he's he went on record also saying that he would like a match with Mayweather. It's interesting because everybody all of a sudden wants to fight Conor McGregor in some sort of a boxing match. Uh, I, would we love to see it? Absolutely. And I and I said this last week. Is it something that's on the on the on the on the tongue of every of every mixed martial art MMA fan or boxing fan? I, I mean, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't I, like I said I don't know where I stand with this I'd like I'm intrigued I would see it but I'd like I said last week to not beat a dead horse it definitely has the potential to damage the legacy of you know Conor McGregor or a uh, Floyd Mayweather or a Manny Pacquiao now McGregor does not seem to be the only fighter that has been bitten by the boxing gl- by the boxing bug excuse me ESPN is reporting that Nate Diaz is applying for a professional boxing license in Nevada the Nevada State Athletic Commission did confirm the news stating that it has been in contact with Diaz's team for several weeks and that Diaz is in the middle of filing the paperwork needed to obtain a license. Um, Diaz also paid the $50,000 fine the, the NSAC gave him for his little altercation with Conor McGregor during the UFC 202 press conference. Um, it, that's That's definitely interesting. I mean, Bob Bennett, the... NSAC director said that Nate paid his fine and he had requested a boxing license, which he submitted the, the licensing information. And the the end game is that the license will be approved. And Nate and it looks like even Nick RK are able to fight in Las Vegas, whether it's with the UFC or a boxing promoter. 
Uh, it's definitely a very, very interesting piece of news. Like I said, Diaz now joins McGregor uh, in in MMA fighters receiving boxing licenses. McGregor, of course, received his license to fight in the state of California back in November. Very, 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 very interesting. Of course, Nate Diaz is still under contract with the UFC, and um, he's pretty much said that he doesn't want another fight in the UFC if it's not a, a rubber match with Conor McGregor. <sighs> I don't I don't know if as a fan I even give a shit about seeing those two guys square off one more time, but it it might happen because you know, cha-ching 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 for the UFC, but again, we will see what happens. In some other news, Daniel Cormier and Anthony Rumble Johnson are scheduled to square off finally at UFC 210, which is going down April 8th in Buffalo. Of course, this is uh, the the rebooking of a fight that was supposed to have happened at UFC 206. Unfortunately, Cormier suffered an injury and had to be pulled from the card. So we're finally going to get that match. Uh, as as an Anthony Rumble Johnson fan, I really hope this is this is the one. Uh, no disrespect to DC, I like him, but he's just not that he's been coasting, but just like I said, he took that weird fight with Anderson Silva, which was complete fucking horseshit. And then he gets injured, and then we thought we were going to get the fight with Jones, and now we're getting the fight with Rumble Johnson. It, 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 again, I don't, I don't have any, any dislike towards Daniel Cormier. I just feel that his run as light heavyweight champion, for the most part, has been forgettable. He, he's a great ambassador for the sport. He's a, he's a great personality for the sport. But I just feel that as a guy, as a fighter, he's just, he hasn't had. He hasn't been tested. Maybe that's that's a good way to look at it. I kind of just feel that he kind of just fell into having the title. That doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve it. I just feel that, I don't know, man. I think DC is a guy that if, if he cut a little weight, he could make a good run at 185. He could probably do real damage at 185, much like Rashad Evans, you know, who came into the sport at light heavyweight at one point and then dropped down and dropped down. Uh, you, you know, I mean, I think I think if I if I'm if I'm correct, I think Rashad came in during the ultimate fighter as a heavyweight and then came down to light heavy, et cetera, et cetera, to where he is now. I, I, I like Rashad Evans. He, he was one of those guys. What I expected out of DC is more or less what Rashad Evans brought to the table, which was a great combination of striking and, uh, and a really, really solid wrestling base. DC just kind of, he's just there. And, and it's unfortunate. I know some people are probably going to give me shit for saying that, but I just, I don't know, man. I just feel Daniel Cormier's light heavyweight title run has been fucking forgettable. I, I genuinely forgot that he was champion because that's how little the UFC does to even acknowledge his existence, which is a damn shame. Anyway, last bit of MMA things to to tie it up, to wrap things up for this week is the UFC on Fox 23 fight card. Uh, the main card is going to be on Fox at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, 5 p.m. Pacific. The prelims will be on Fox Sports 1. Uh, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. And then, of course, you got the early prelims on the fight pass. I wanted to go through the fights for the prelims and the main card. Um, you know, I think that the the main event for the prelims, Nate Marquardt, Sam Alvey, uh, definitely a fight to keep an eye on. Also, Raphael, Raphael Asuncao and Aljamain Sterling uh, is another good card, uh, another good fight on that card. Bobby Nash, uh, Li Jingliang, also solid and you know a couple of predictions i think um for the most part i want to give predictions on those three fights because the 
uh, Marcos Rogerio de Lima and Jeremy Kimball, the Eric Spicely, Alessio de Chicorico fight and the Luis Enrique de Silva and Jordan Johnson fights. Uh, while they are openers on the prelims, I unfortunately have not seen enough of the fighters to give you guys educated fight picks, but I will give you guys picks for the uh, Bobby Nash, Lee Jing Liang fight and, and uh, Sterling Asun Sao and Mark Ward and Sam Alvey. And then we'll jump into the main card. So Bobby Lash, uh, Bobby Lashley, <laughs> Bobby Nash, uh, Lee Jing Liang, uh, solid fight. Uh, Lee Jing Liang, of course, picking up steam after, you know, being a contestant on the ultimate fighter, which, uh, that alone it raises some, some interesting things. And, you know, the thing that with this recent crop of guys that, that have come out of the ultimate fighter for me personally, is that, you know, when you've done these, these other fights, you know, I understand what, what the UFC is trying to do. They're really trying to create a, a personality for, for various parts of the world as they, as they move into other areas. Uh, Li Jing Liang is, is a guy that, you know, a, a Chinese fighter, MMA is starting to really pick up in China. And, um, you know, the thing, the thing is, it's, uh, I think they've, they've really done a good job in promoting him. But I feel that they're trying a little. They're trying a little bit too much. That's that's my opinion. Also, uh, to correct myself, um, Li Jing Liang was not on the Ultimate Fighter. I fucked up there. Um, I confused him with an, with another fighter that that came out of the Ultimate Fighter, and I believe he was the one that was suspended for possibly having um, performance enhancing drugs in his system, which turned out to be a mistake. So. Uh, actually, yeah, I believe that that fighter was the one that ate the tainted meat, which um, his name escapes me at the moment. If if I remember it, I'll I'll mention it uh, during next week's episode. In any case, uh, Li Jingliang was, you know, he came into the UFC, I believe it was 173. And, um, you know, he's been fighting actively ever since he faced uh, Nordine Taleb. And um, that was back in 2014. Uh, then he, you know, went through a couple of different fights. And the last one that he that he fought was at the uh, Ultimate Fighter 23 finale that was in July. And um, then he was going to fight Chad LaPreece. I remember that they pulled him from that card when LaPreece withdrew. And um, what ended up happening was he was, I believe, scheduled to fight Yancey Medeiros. Uh, Medeiros was pulled from that card. And then now he's facing uh, Bobby Nash, who is uh, a newcomer to the UFC, who I'm not familiar with now. I'm going to I'm going to go out on a toss up here and I'm going to try and and give a prediction based on just, you know, Li Jingliang being a veteran in the UFC. Bobby Nash comes in with an eight and one record, so definitely no slouch. Uh, you know, I want to say that Li Jingliang has this fight, but it can go either way. And I'm going to I'm going to kind of go coin flip here and go with Bobby Nash on this one. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Meanwhile, uh, Rafael Asuncao coming in against Aljamain Sterling, who's definitely slowly picking up steam in the organization out of Ray Longo's camp here in New York. I like Aljamain Sterling. I like the way he presents himself. I like the community work that he does. If you follow him on social media, you know what I'm talking about. And, you know, I got to show love to to the hometown guy, even though, you know, Rafael Asuncao is a dangerous, dangerous man. So I'm going to I'm going to go with Aljamain Sterling for this, showing a little love to 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 New York on this one. But um. Rafael Asuncao can definitely play the upset role for sure on that fight. Uh, Nate Marquardt, Sam Alvey, I like both dudes. Both dudes go in there when they're dialed in 
They are definitely guys that can't be taken lightly. But I got a soft spot for uh, a soft spot for Nate the Great. Uh, he's been he's been in the sport a long time, and sometimes when you think you've written him off, he fucking surprises the shit out of you. And I think this is going to be one of those instances where he goes in there and does just that. So I'm going to go with Nate Marquardt on that one. Switching gears to the main card, we were supposed to originally get Hector Lombard, Brad Tavares, but that fight got pulled. Um, the opener for that is going to be Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres taking on Jason Knight. Um, I was originally going to go with Jason Knight, but Alex Caceres definitely is just a, a, a really fun fighter to watch. I, I like the fact that, you know, he calls himself Bruce Leroy. It's, you know, one of the one of those endearing things that, you know, makes makes him a, a likable character uh, when he was, you know, first on the scene. So that and the fact that just like I said, I, I like Caceres. I'm going to I'm going to give him the benefit of the of the doubt. And I'm going to go with him as my pick for the opening fight on the main card. Andre Arlovsky is on that card taking on Francis Ngannou. Um, Arlovsky is always a guy that's been on the verge of title contention. I think that if he has a, a, a really good showing, he may get back in the title hunt. Uh, Francis Ngannou is no slouch. Dude comes in with a nine and one record. Fighting the veteran Andre Arlovsky, twenty-five and thirteen, coming in. Um, you know, it, it's easy to want to give it to Arlovsky because Arlovsky definitely has been stepping it up as of late. Uh, and Ganu is a bit of a of you know he's he's a mixed bag. You know, it's like you we, he's kind of a guy that that is dangerous, but much like Arlovsky, it's really all about which version of which version shows up. I I got again much like with Alex Caceres, I got a soft spot. For uh, Andre Arlovsky, so I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with with Andre Arlovsky on this one, which is which is you know, I mean you know the guy's a, another dude. He's he's exciting to watch. I mean, like I said, Ngannou, he's gone in there and he's he's done some really great finishes. I think when he when he first debuted, he he took a knockout in the second round. Then he faced a a, a new guy, I believe, back in uh, during a fight night event. He won that one. Uh, via TKO then he won another fight via TKO afterwards then he took on Anthony Hamilton and he uh he won that fight via submission and he took a uh, uh, fight of the night bonus so like I said a guy that that definitely has the potential to to put you to sleep or choke you out but I think um Arlovsky's gonna uh, Arlovsky's not gonna roll over and die that easily I feel that his career has gotten a a breath a breath of fresh air as of late uh, I, I think that was poor wording I think uh Andre Arlovsky's career has got a got a jolt. Let, let's let's go with that. It, it's uh it definitely has got a jolt as of late, and I think that um he might go in there and give us another spectacular performance. But Francis Ngannou definitely has the tools to end that fight in a in in a very very quick and violent fashion. Now, one of my favorite fighters, Donald Cerrone, taking on another favorite of mine, Jorge Masvidal. These guys are 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 masters of coming out, standing and trading. A uh, really, really great stand-up game from both fighters. Donald Cerrone, another guy that's, you know, he, he's pretty much a, a hair away from, from a title shot. Um, you know, Jorge Masvidal is a guy that when he comes in there and he's dialed in, he is a fucking problem. So I have a feeling that we have ourselves a guaranteed fight of the night, ladies and gentlemen. So definitely watch that one because that one's going to have fireworks. As for my pick, um, I like Jorge Masvidal. I don't want to pick against him, but... Donald Cerrone, man, has been on a tear lately, and like I said, title opportunity is right around the corner. Our main event, Valentina Shevchenko taking on Juliana Pena. 
Uh, Juliana Pena is really trying hard to to make a statement and become the next face of the UFC, uh, which is obviously an honor that currently rests on the uh, on the shoulders of Amanda Nunes and uh, formerly on Ronda Rousey's shoulders. And I think Juliana Pena is coming in trying to make a statement. Valentina Shevchenko is no pushover and no slouch by any stretch. I think this is one of the reasons why this fight is your main event of the evening. Juliana Pena, like I said, um, marketable, trash-talking, um, definitely capable of getting it done in the cage. And I really would like to pick her for this fight, but Shevchenko is is so well-rounded. And Juliana Pena, since coming back, yeah, we've seen, you know, we, we really have seen a little bit of her resurgence, but I just feel, at least for me, that she is... Um, she needs one or two more fights under her belt before people start talking about her challenging for a belt anytime soon. It's it's unfortunate because, you know, the injury that she suffered was horrific, you know, tearing ACL, MCL, damaging her LCL and meniscus. It was it was insane. And, um, you know, she she was seriously shelved for for, you know, all of 2014 and then when she came back in 2015 she she did well you know she did well taking on jessica i she looked good taking on kat zingano um the you know during the summer and you know taking on valentina shevchenko is good i think that that's a fight that like i said has the makings of possibly getting her dialed in for a title opportunity but like as much as i want to to say that that pena has this in the bag Shevchenko is no joke. I mean, Pena, since coming back, has, you know, she won the the return fight via TKO, but her last two fights have gone the distance. And again, that's not because she she's, you know, any less of a fighter than she was before she got injured. She actually fought two dangerous opponents in Jessica I and former title challenger Katzengano. But Shevchenko, like I said, is, you know, she's she's definitely no joke. On the contrary, she um, you know, she has very, very aggressive kickboxing, uh, coupled with the fact that she knows how to utilize it very, very well. I mean, her her second fight in the UFC, she fought Amanda Nunes, and she really had a good performance in that fight. Even though Nunes won that fight, Shevchenko definitely did not look bad, that's for sure. And, um, you know, she, she also defeated Holly Holm. So think about it. She fought one, our current women's champion, uh, women's bantamweight champion and Amanda Nunes, and she she held her own and then defeated a former champion in Holly Holm. So there's definitely you know some some serious some serious ability there. Not to mention you know she she's got boxing under her belt, she's got kickboxing under her belt. So definitely be aware of her striking game because it is definitely serious. That's for sure. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for the fight. I'm glad to see the ladies take center stage and. Juliana Pena definitely has the tools. I feel that, you know, her ground game definitely is solid, but on the stand-up, Shevchenko is definitely the better fighter, in my opinion. And because of that, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Valentina Shevchenko for the win at the uh UFC on Fox 23 card. We shall see what happens. So with that bit of predictions out of the way, I think that's a good way to wrap up this week's MMA segment. Again, UFC on Fox 23 goes down this Saturday. We will break it down next week. All right, let us switch gears and jump into the wrestling for this week because we got the Rumble, we got Raw, we got SmackDown, we got 205 Live, and the news of the week as well. So let's not waste any more time and get right to it. 
Yes, sir, we promised you a great main event here tonight. Look at that here. Andre, the giant muscle mania. Everyone has a price. Rest. Man, does that intro give me chills. Let's get this party started with this past Monday's Raw, which, of course, was the last Raw before this Sunday's Royal Rumble. Uh, Raw was hit or miss. I mean, again, you got your go-home show to get everybody hyped for the Rumble. There were there were some good moments. There were there were some moments where you're just like, ugh, why is this happening? And and then you had some really good wrestling. I mean, the Gallows and Cesaro thing, we get it. We're, you're trying to do a couple of matches to build up the title opportunity, uh, you know, for Gallows and Anderson at the pay-per-view. It's it was all right. I mean, I just I'm not a fan of Luke Gallows and singles competition. I think that there are guys in this business that are lifetime tag team wrestlers, and Luke Gallows is definitely one of them. Not so much Carl Anderson. I think Carl Anderson has the tools to be a breakout star on his own. But Luke Gallows definitely thrives in a tag team environment. Also, interesting thing went down with Sami Zayn taking on Seth Rollins with Rollins' rumble spot on the line. Uh, A really good match between two, uh, obviously, A-plus competitors. Uh, Triple H's music hit, which distracted Rollins and allowed Zayn to, to capture the victory, which, of course, now leads to Sami Zayn being in the rumble and Seth Rollins not. Now, as interesting as this is, I have a feeling that but when it's all said and done, Seth Rollins will find a way to get into the Rumble on Sunday. Can't have a Rumble without the architect in there. It would just be weird, especially because, you know, Dean Ambrose is in there. Roman is challenging for, for the Universal title. You, you can't not have Rollins in there. So I'm sure something will happen at some point Sunday and Rollins will be in the match. We also had some Cruiserweight action with TJ Perkins, Mustafa Ali, and Jack Gallagher. Uh, three guys that are definitely the more over faces in the division, taking on the the three established heels and Drew Gulak, Tony Nese, and Arya Davari. It was a pretty pretty solid match, paint by numbers to to some people. But again, we're we're going back into the old. Let's throw the the the, the six six cruiserweights out there and hope for the best. I, I I get it. I get that you want to get them showcased, and I'm and I know you're trying to find a good place for them, but. There, you you shouldn't just relegate these guys to to cruiserweight opportunities. Why don't you start creating narratives where these guys maybe they want to challenge for you know the IC title or or something like that? Maybe we can we can create opportunities for these guys just beyond the confines of two hundred five live. I get it. The end game and the top prize should be without a doubt the WWE cruiserweight championship, but it almost feels like you're regurgitating the same ma- the the same matches and not really doing much except establishing a handful of guys. I mean, Mustafa Ali, of course, you want to showcase him. He has an amazing finisher, and, you know, the crowd is definitely digging it. Jack Gallagher is is a talent all his own, and TJ Perkins is is over, even though the dab is just tiresome, but that's besides the point. And on the heel side, Gulak is, is a great competitor in 205 Live, but definitely has the tools to go in there and mix it up with some of the other the other guys uh, and you know on the mid card and I think that even though he is an asset to 205 Live I think you could do more with Drew Gulak considering uh you know the really great grinding style that he brings Tony Nese same thing you look at when I look at Tony Nese I see the same versatility in like, that we saw in a guy like Neville the only problem with Tony Nese is that for Tony Nese to shine you got to change his look a bit because right now it's almost like looking at Neville obviously Neville just looks like a shrunken um 
you know, Wade Barrett, but still, I mean, that's that's the problem. The similarities, even the the commentary team has has talked about that, how how similar they, they are physically, and that, you know, that's definitely gonna raise a couple of red flags. Of course, Arya Davari has you know, he came in, you you know you know the guy definitely has the tools, he's there, but I just feel that tying him up with Jack Gallagher and not allowing him to to really go out there and showcase his abilities has hurt him a bit. But again, that's that's my take on it. Now we got a nice little segment to set up a match with Rusev, um, Titus O'Neil, Jinder Mahal, Braun Strowman, the New Day, Enzo and Kaz. And there were there were some funny moments in there. Um Overall, the match was just a way to showcase Braun Strowman, which we're not shocked. I mean, he went in there and he pretty much eviscerated everyone, which is to be expected. And of course, led to the big show making an appearance, uh, which we all know is leading to the big shows uh, competing in the Royal Rumble. And, and you know, the thing with, with the big show is, you know, his 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 physique has has come a long way. If you've been following him on social media, you see that the big show's got an incredible shape. The guy has fucking abs. This is all obviously leading towards his match with Shaq. But again, one of those one of those things that that my my geeky young wrestling fan mind appreciates is stuff like that. You know, the face off of him and Braun Strowman. You're like, all right, when these guys finally fight, it's going to be kind of cool, but it's only going to be cool in a Royal Rumble environment. Just just please don't put that on my TV every week. But in the Rumble, you know, shit like that. Visuals like that are pretty badass. So it was cool. And, you know, show got a good reaction. And you can't you can't dispute the fact that the guy is probably in the best shape I've ever seen him. We had a U.S. title rematch with Roman Reigns and Chris Jericho, which was set up at the beginning of the evening. Of course, uh, the big thing here was somebody was going in the shark cage, and sure enough, it was Kevin Owens. Uh, the match itself was was decent. We knew it was going to end with shenanigans because obviously it's just the way it works, and um, it wasn't a bad match. It was just something we've seen a bunch of times. We had a Nia Jax squash match, which of course, led to Sasha Banks showing up and beating the holy hell out of her with a crutch, which builds towards the match that they will be having at the Rumble Sunday. It's it's interesting that they've that they work so hard in keeping Nia Jax out of the title picture because I think that when the time comes, they want to make it that this chick is going to win because she she looks the part. Uh, putting her in a feud with Sasha Banks is okay. I feel that Sasha Banks being out of the title picture, while it is good. I feel that, you, you know, she's she's being I don't want to say she's being wasted on Raw, but I just feel that with Bailey tied up with Charlotte, we're, we're only seeing Nia Jax and, and that's it. You know, I, I think that Raw definitely uh, a division. I, you know, I think um, Dana Brooke, I want to say she's getting ready for the Arnold or maybe she might be injured. Not 100 percent confirmed, but I feel that there's definitely not enough talent now on the raw side of things. It feels like SmackDown definitely is is stepping it up with their competitors and and the recent addition of Mickey James is proof of that. I kind of feel Raw is kind of treading right now. Um we had a, a non-title match with Rich Swan and Noam Dar which again we we knew how it was going to end. Um I I definitely think that Rich Swan's kick that finishes matches should be called the Swan Song. I definitely feel that would be a great name for it. Um if it ends up being called that ladies and gentlemen uh, I, I want my royalty check, Vince. Uh, make it out to Rageworks. I would really appreciate it. Uh, we got another. We got another. You know, vi- vignette for for Emelina. No one cares at this point. It's essentially fast forward for me. Um, and of course, we close out with Goldberg. Goldberg comes out, headbutts the door, ends up fucking bleeding. Um, you know, he flubbed a bunch of lines. 
a bunch of shit. Uh, it was funny because I believe Goldberg said that, uh, you know, I think it's the end of him headbutting the door because he quote unquote knocked himself loopy. I knew I knew that we were going to get something big. I thought it was just going to be Goldberg and maybe everybody just fighting in the in you know the usual everybody fights before the rumble uh the you know the ending we've come to expect with Goldberg standing tall at the end, but it was cool because you know Heyman came out and I'm like shit, is Brock here? And sure enough, Brock was here. Um Lesnar comes in on you know all of a sudden everybody's like, "Oh shit, here it goes." And then unexpected as it was the undertaker's little gong hit and the lights go out and then when the lights go on we're all staring at each other um you know it was you know what it reminded me of rocket in in guardians he's like look at us we're all standing here just a bunch of fucking idiots standing i get it you know i know you want to tease who's gonna win blah 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 but maybe a little bit more maybe like i said i think this was one of those instances where i wouldn't mind Everybody just coming in and start scrapping, and then the lights go out. Taker shows up. He starts whooping everybody's ass, and then when it, all the bodies are piled out outside of the ring, it's just left with Lesnar, Goldberg, and the Undertaker to close us out. I just feel that would have been that would have been the right way to go. Um, you know, I, I actually thought Strowman was going to show up, and him, Goldberg, and then Lesnar would have came out, and then Taker, just because those are the guys that you're looking at. And and those are the you know the quote unquote the big dudes that everybody that everybody's eyes are on going into the rumble. Um, you know, I just I just feel that this was one of those times where, like I said, the big the big everybody beating the holy hell out of each other would have just been better than just the two quote unquote big guys. You know, the, the the three big guys that that are in the rumble just standing there like fucking three jackasses. That's just me overall. For a Raw that was supposed to get people uh, invested in the Rumble, it did a, a, a passable job at best. On the SmackDown side of things, uh, we 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 had again better stuff. You know, we had um, you know Randy Orton and Luke Harper's thing was good. We know where it's going. It was interesting that you know Bray Wyatt hit him with Sister Abigail to close things out. You know, it opens up a, a possibility as a tough love is Luke Harper booted from the Wyatt family and what does this mean heading into the Rumble? So it definitely raises a lot of a lot of questions. It also makes you wonder if Randy Orton has orchestrated this shit from the jump, uh which is also a possibility. I'm giving Randy Orton a lot of credit, but still uh the match itself was good. I've I've said it before and I'll say it again, Luke Harper definitely one of the best big guys they got on the roster to date and a guy that you definitely should be looking at for your mid-card. The only problem is with Baron Corbin also on SmackDown, people tend to forget about Big Luke. Uh, we also had a battle royal for a spot in the Rumble, and as soon as I saw the competitors that were involved, I'm like, fuck, Mojo's going to win, and I just essentially stopped giving a shit. Dolph Ziggler killed Kalisto dead because we're still obviously pushing the whole Dolph Ziggler heel thing. He, he mixed it up with Apollo Crews, so that's definitely a, a feud that's going to continue to pick up heading into Mania. We had an IC title lumberjack match, which was all right. Again, we knew that was going to end with a big Donnie Brook with everybody beating the holy hell out of each other, and it definitely did. That's for damn sure. We had a couple of interviews and segments which were okay, like Mickey James coming out and talking, you know, cutting her her promo, talking about the motivations to come back and why she attacked Becky Lynch, et cetera, et cetera. I thought that it was a good way to establish that Mickey James is a force even now and that. It was also a great nod towards the history that Mickey James has had 
in the women's division because think about it. Yes, I, I and and I got to agree with what she expressed in the promo. You know, we talk about Charlotte, Becky Lynch, and 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 the current crop of, of women in WWE killing it in the ring. But we we still had some of that stuff back in the day between Mickey James, Trish Stratus, Lita, uh, Beth Phoenix, who may or may not be going into the Hall of Fame. We'll see what happens. We we definitely had. Uh, plenty of opportunity to see some amazing, amazing talent, and we did uh, to to a to a large degree. I mean, don't get me wrong; the women's revolution currently going on in WWE has led to uh, the women being respected more. But that doesn't take away from the fact that Mickey James, Trish, Lita, Beth Phoenix, even Melina were were in um, hell. Even Michelle McCool and and Layla, who ended up improving later on, were were assets to the women's division back then. I think I think it was good. I think that the relationship between Mickey James and Alexa Bliss is going to be interesting given that Mickey James is kind of crazy and I like that she was still kind of crazy during the promo, which was good. Um it was great. I, I you know, it was it was really really well done. The whole Carmella James Ellsworth thing is is yeah. I mean, it was funny seeing James Ellsworth out in public wearing like ring gear and shit. But um, it was it was ridiculous outside of that. The whole Nikki Bella, you know, Natalia thing, it's all right. But hopefully it's going to be something that that puts them at odds in a bigger stage. This whole, oh, I hate you because you and John Cena are taking over the company. Oh, we got it. We definitely got it. I liked the AJ Styles, John Cena promo that went down. I thought it was really good. AJ Styles definitely dialed in on all cylinders and Cena coming in just dropping some some really good heat a um, lot of intensity going in I think that AJ Styles is coming to his own uh, you know a lot of people used to be used to complain about AJ's southern drawl I like the usage of of the you know John Cena showing up on on Good Morning America was it Good Morning America one of those morning shows the one without Roker and AJ Styles being called some guy from Atlanta I, I like that. I, I you know I gotta say as a as a fan I liked it because I thought that they did a good job, but I also felt that it kind of in a backhanded way devalued AJ Styles. I mean the guy's the fucking champion of your of your of your second broadcast television program. You know like the guy has a fucking name. <laughs> you know it was it was it was something I re- uh, it, you know I wasn't a fan of. Um, it wasn't Good Morning America. That that was the one with. Um, Katie Couric it was the Today Show it took me a minute to get that but um yeah I just you know I kind of felt that it kind of devalued in a backhanded way AJ Styles but I liked I liked using that real world atmosphere to to add to their to their rivalry they did they did a good job with that um you know it was it was weird I, I you know it was weird seeing Cena like acknowledge the indies and shit like that I mean you know it was a good way to get some verbal jabs in but you could just you could just feel that there was you know there was a little bit of that yeah take that you know indie guy and it was it was funny I think that some people felt that um, there was a, a heelish atmosphere and a heelish energy in Cena's promo and and I kind of felt that way too man I kind of felt that we were seeing the the resurgence of hip hop Cena which was which was interesting um, you know it's it's we we'd love to all see John Cena turn heel. Uh, going into mania but i just don't see it but i definitely saw some some little 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 sparkles of it in, in his promo work with aj and i thought that the 
The promo was stellar. You know, they didn't have to beat the fuck out of each other to sell me on the match. I really want to see it. I think Cena has really stepped it up as of late. And um, it was good, man. It was really, really good. And probably one of the matches to keep an eye on for the Rumble. Like I said, the Lumberjack match was about as academic as you would expect. Um, You know, everybody jumps in at one point and starts scrapping and blah, blah, blah. Ambrose defeated Miz in in a good match. Um, you know, it was, it was just enough to get us excited going into the rumble, but not too much to derail any momentum that they may have leading to WrestleMania. Uh, if you had to put the shows on, on a scale, I would say that raw definitely was not the better show this week. And SmackDown was a bit more cohesive, had a lot more, uh, solid wrestling and some really, really good mic work from a lot of the individuals, um, involved. But again, We'll see what happens this Sunday when the Rumble goes down. Now, on the on the 205 Live side, it was it was really, re- again, really good stuff. Uh, TJ Perkins, Tony Nese, I feel we've seen that one time too many. Um, Brian Kendrick took on uh, Trip Bradshaw, which I'll get into in a moment. And the main event, Neville taking on Cedric Alexander, which I was excited about. Um, first off, the, the Perkins-Nese match was solid, really good. I just feel that I feel the guys are shackled considering the stuff that we've seen from both of these guys during the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, this match just felt very, very clean, very concise, very cohesive, but nothing, nothing super crazy. You know, it was like, all right, kind of cool, but meh. you know, it was it was all right. I mean, I liked I liked the little post-match attack from Nice because obviously that's going to build towards a little feud between them, which is fine. I think TJ Perkins and Tony Nice is a solid feud to watch. Over the next couple of weeks, we got a uh, a promo for Tazawa. Really excited. He debuts next week. Ready to see people getting German suplexed on their fucking dome. Uh, it was it was good, man. It was really really good. Uh, the, the Trip Bradshaw and Brian Kendrick's match was essentially just you know a, a way to showcase Kendrick and also to buy everyone time because of course they had established that Kendrick was going to feud with Tajiri after taking that miss to the face, but. Tajiri being getting injured uh, derailed that. So you got to keep Kendrick out there somehow. And just uh, running through random guy A is a good way to fill up some TV time. Now, the main event I was really excited about with Neville and Cedric Alexander. Cedric Alexander, I've said it, is one of those guys that you can definitely not only build your division around, but has the potential to be a big a big star in the company as a whole. The match was was really really good i was thoroughly impressed um you know it was noam dar of course got involved the um you know the the submission that neville is using was good i think that it's a good way to you know reinforce his more aggressive edge obviously we'd all love to see his his, you know his aerial finisher because it's the fucking truth um it's it was it was great man i just i just felt that you should have just let the match run its course the whole Noam Dar thing, it's good if you want to fill, you know, add some filler, but it took away from what was, in essence, a truly, truly classic match. And the best part of it was that for 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 all the times that I complain about the crowd just killing the vibe, the crowd, again, and that's because Cedric Alexander f- has connected with the fans. Same thing with Neville. Neville's always had that connection. I mean, they're doing a good job establishing that he didn't have it. But fuck, were, were they were they there, man? They were really, really, really there. Um, a lot of great energy. Like I said, just just hurt, man. I, I just really was hurt by the whole Noam Darl. It's like 
why would you take away from that match? I get it, you know? I really do get it. I like that Neville just lost his mind and started beating the shit out of Noam Dar and Cedric. Of course, him and, you know, that led to Swan coming out. Him and Swan had themselves a really nice brawl. Got everybody hyped for Sunday. In all honesty, and some people are going to give me some shit, 205 Live was better in one hour than Raw was in three and would probably be comparable to how good SmackDown was. If not, like I said, for them ruining what was a stellar match between Neville and Cedric Alexander. I would have rather Neville get the victory. Noam Dar comes out for the post-match beatdown. Neville lets him get his shots and, you know, they beat up Cedric and then he beats up Noam Dar. There was no need to to hurt that that classic fucking match by sending Noam Dar out there, which is a damn shame too because like I said, the match was was fucking fantastic. Anyway, let's jump into some of the wrestling news for the week want to give you guys my predictions and uh, we will wrap things up. So the wrestling observer newsletter and a couple of other outlets have been sharing what is according to a few sources, the complete 2017 WWE hall of fame class. Of course, we all know Kurt angle is official and we've heard rumors. Like I've said about diamond Dallas page, Rick rude, Beth Phoenix, which are also on that list. But there was also mention of Christian William Regal, Mike Rotunda, our earthquake John Tenta and uh, Fred Ottman, who of course was the Shockmaster and also Typhoon. Now again, this list is not confirmed and it's been shared on a couple of different outlets and I wanted to mention it just because I wanted to talk about the people that were there. Uh, Rick Rude definitely deserves to be in there. Beth Phoenix had a great run um, you know, in the WWE. Definitely well-deserved. Uh, Christian... You know, Christian, Christian's awesome. You know, I, I was bummed that his career was cut so short. I, I love Christian. His singles, you know, his singles run in TNA when he was Christian Cage in the beginning was really good. And then when he came back to WWE, they, he had, he had good moments, man. But when he was in TNA, I think he was at the apex. But again, Christian definitely is a guy that while he definitely could be in the hall of fame, I don't think he should be right away. William Regal, definitely. I mean, when you go back to, to WCW and all the great, you know, all the great stuff with uh, with William Regal, and you know, when when he was um, was it when it was him and Dave Taylor, you know, Regal definitely has been involved in some really really good stuff. I loved all the stuff with Tajiri, and again, just classically trained and a and a big force behind the scenes now in the WWE. Regal, you know, I, I wouldn't have a problem with Regal in there. Earthquake and Typhoon, I mean. You know, you're talking about two guys that were that were mainstays. If you were watching wrestling in the 80s, um, Typhoon originally was Tugboat, friend of Hulk Hogan, partnered with Earthquake, and then they became the Natural Disasters. Uh, again, two guys that definitely they deserve the opportunity. I mean, with all the health issues that that Fred Ottman is going through, I think it would be cool to put him in there. God forbid if the guy passes away, uh, it would be good. And I think you know, allowing them to participate and get those legends deals would definitely help those guys out. We'll see. I mean, like I said, this list has been floating around for, for the last week or two, and it could change. Uh, you know, I mean, it was a while back. They were talking about JBL going in there. Don't know how I feel about that. But again, we'll see what happens. Obviously, keep it locked to MTR and Rageworks for announcements regarding the 2017 WWE Hall of Fame class. Interesting piece of news made its way through various websites, and it's that AJ Styles was robbed during a SmackDown Live event in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Um, the police report that they stole about $1,000 in cash, 
Uh, 7,000 in Japanese yen, which comes out to about 60 bucks, 61 bucks. His iPhone, some Beats headphones, a TV, an Xbox 360, and six Xbox 360 games. Just really, really unfortunate, man, that you're going out there, you're entertaining the crowd, and somebody just decides to go back there and steal your shit. I've, you know, as somebody who's gone to Madison Square Garden on more than one occasion, Nassau Coliseum at one point, it's it, it's weird because, you know, the backstage areas are really locked down pretty tight, especially here in New York when it comes to Madison Square Garden. You got people breathing down your neck in every corridor, unless it's the bathroom or concessions. You can't just wander around freely. Now, when I was listening to the to the story and reading the story also, it made me wonder if it was possibly just an inside job, not not another wrestler, but maybe just security or staff. I mean, you know, maybe he left it out in such a way that that they were able to make off with the stuff. It's just it's just unfortunate, man, that that you go as a performer, you go out there to entertain the crowd and somebody decides to go into business for themselves and take your money. It's pretty, pretty. It's really fucked up, in my opinion. That's for damn sure. Hopefully, you know, we it's not like AJ Styles won't bounce back, but you're stealing the guy's cell phone. You're stealing his TV and his Xbox. I mean, this is the stuff that the guy's taking on the road with him, helping him survive while he, you know, he's on the road to entertain you, you know, the fans, and to just have your shit stolen sucks. That's all I got to say. It looks like Hideo Itami may be on his way back. A couple of different news outlets have been reporting that Hideo Itami has been cleared to wrestle. If you remember, he suffered a neck injury a few months back during an NXT live event where he was dropped on his neck after uh, taking a really, really botched power slam from Riddick Moss. Uh, if you if you look for the video, it's debatable if you want to blame Itami or Moss, but in any case, uh, Itami looks to be, uh, it, you know, Itami. Itami appears to be on his way back. I feel that the Hideo Itami experiment, while it was, while it's been good, for NXT in the early going now with Shinsuke Nakamura, it's going to be tough for Hideo Itami to, to, you know, kind of find his way, but I wouldn't mind seeing an Itami Nakamura match. That's for damn sure. And I kind of feel that Hideo Itami would work well in the cruiserweight, uh, in the cruiserweight brand, you know, whether it's 205 live or just being an active cruiserweight, I think Itami would definitely be a good fit there. We'll see what happens when he comes back from the injury you know, we were getting close to a program between him and Austin Aries. We'll see if that is going to still be the case. But I wouldn't mind seeing Atami go to the Cruiserweight division and still feud with Austin Aries, who many people are saying is heading to the Cruiserweight division as well. We'll see what happens. And of course, we will keep you guys posted. Well, it looks like Matt Hardy continues continuing to call out the 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 Bucks of Youth on TNA Impact has finally, finally paid off as Ring of Honor announced that the Broken Hardys or the Hardy Boys or whatever you want to call them will be facing the Young Bucks at Ring of Honor's Supercard of Honor uh, going down in Lakeland, Florida on April 1st. Also on that card, the uh, Ring of Honor world title will be on the line as Adam Cole defends against Dalton Castle. But we're finally going to get it, folks. The Hardy Boys, the Hardys, the Broken Hardys will finally face the Young Bucks in ring of honor so if you're going to be in lakeland florida definitely check that out because i have a feeling that match is going to be fucking awesome now the next the next piece i want to talk about is something that happened on twitter recently and it it circulated you know a lot of the usual outlets and it was interesting because uh, a fan tagged batista on twitter and said that batista's 2014 run was a complete waste 
Uh, Batista obviously didn't take too kindly to that, and he said, complete waste. I put your hero, Daniel Bryan, over at Mania and fought to keep Evolution together to put over the shield. You're welcome. Here's here's the thing. Batista has, you know, he was always a great asset to the WWE. He had a great look. Uh, You know, he was a good big man. He was even a solid main eventer during his time. The problem is that so many people couldn't look past the fact that they were putting Batista over Daniel Bryan, that it kind of damaged Batista. You know, we had Blue Tista. We had all this shit going on. And it was interesting, and it definitely didn't, you know, it definitely didn't do Batista any favors during that run. But I did I did feel it was a bit unfair to call the run a complete waste because he added he added something to you know his tenure and, and working with Daniel Bryan and, and doing the stuff with Evolution and the Shield were all solid things. I mean, seeing the Shield and Evolution square off was fun. It was a good match. And again, you know, that was a big part of, of it because, you know, you, you had those three pieces together. Now, do I feel Batista deserves another run in the, in the WWE? Absolutely. I think he definitely has the potential to mix it up. I would probably put him on SmackDown because I think that SmackDown needs to have a couple of more guys. I think Raw is a little too talent-heavy with main eventers at this point. Plus, you got guys that are on the verge of breaking through versus SmackDown where you could kind of bring in some established veterans to breathe some life into the brand and the feuds in general. And again, it's one of those things where I was, I just, I, I don't feel it was a waste. And it's one of those things that that hurts sometimes with social media that people think that just because you can reach out to your favorite performer, whether it's wrestler, athlete, whatever the case may be, that you could just be all, all sorts of reckless. I mean, you know, these are the same people that if they met Batista at a at an autograph signing or whatever, they'd probably be chomping at the bit for an autograph or whatever the case may be. And it's unfortunate, man. You know, was I a fan of the Batista run in 2014? No. Would I call it a complete waste? No. I would just say that it was poorly orchestrated by creative and it could have been handled better. That simple. But I wanted to share my thoughts on that because that... That was something that not only I saw, I didn't only see it on Twitter, but I saw it shared across various outlets too. And I wanted to share my thoughts on it. Now, this next bit of news involves a guy who I'm a a big fan of, and that is Pentagon Jr., who many of you know from obviously the photos I've put up from previous Lucha events and who was an active performer in AAA and wrestles on Lucha Underground first as Pentagon Jr., now as Pentagon Dark. Well, interestingly enough, it seems that Pentagon Jr. has left AAA and is now a free agent. He's been wrestling as Penta Cero M, or Penta Cero Miedo, if you wanted to call it that, but he is he is not using Pentagon Jr. as that was the name that was used by uh, in AAA, and um, it looks like that is going to be his name going forward. Of course, this also happened with his real-life brother, Phoenix, who has now been wrestling on the independence as Ray Phoenix. And they, you know, the brothers, both uh, Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix will now be wrestling as the Lucha brothers on the independence. Um, it's interesting just because things are, things aren't hunky dory in AAA. I mean, a lot of those guys have been having issues with AAA and even though they've left AAA and continue to work with Lucha underground, a lot of people, a lot of the guys have left the promotion and just haven't been happy. It's interesting, too, because obviously AAA has a, has a stake in Lucha Underground, and Lucha Underground has now wrapped up their season, which a lot of people were bummed out about, especially a lot, of, a lot of the wrestlers, because there won't be any additional tapings until later in the year, and because of that, obviously, it's hurting 
it's hurting these 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 individuals wallets you know and and it's crazy that pentagon a guy who's made his name as pentagon jr now has to go and wrestle as penta cero miedo or penta zero m i i mean you know we we know what it is and people are probably just going to be are still going to call him pentagon jr but that's how he's going to wrestle on the independence going going forward i, I think um this is going to be an interesting story not so much because of pentagon jr leaving AAA, but because he is quote unquote now a free agent now i'm curious if wwe has been scouting or has even given any thought to a performer like pentagon jr because i think he's over he's super over the crowd digs the character and um he's just an intense dude i also feel that as much as i'd like to see him mix it up with some of the performers in wwe i also feel that wwe just doesn't have the the creative capabilities to utilize him effectively but we'll see what happens we'll be monitoring this story extra close um pentagon's actually scheduled to wrestle for lucha libre promotions in february and um as much as i'd love to cover that event we are slated to be at toy fair but in the event that something changes we will definitely keep you guys up to date with regards to that anyway lucha underground will be returning later on this year and uh they will they will wrap up their season and maybe we'll see if the rumors of them going to netflix are true John Cena's continued mainstream ascension uh, gets another accolade under its belt as John Cena has been tasked with hosting the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards uh, for 2017, which go down March 11th. Cena, of course, had recently hosted the ESPYs as well as the Teen Choice Awards last year. Obviously, this isn't a super big deal versus, you know, all of the stuff that The Rock has done, but it's still noteworthy because Cena continues to slowly become the you know the mainstream go-to performer that wwe has been trying to to groom him to be for the last few years and we're definitely starting to see it i wouldn't be shocked if we start seeing cena in more mainstream films etc etc and if he starts winding down his full-time career into more of a part-time role even though he swears he's not a part-timer yet uh john cena is not the only guy that's mainstreaming very well another one Another wrestler that is definitely on his way up is a good friend of ours, uh, pre- uh, past guest on MTR, and that is our very own Xavier Woods, who many of you know wrestled as Consequences Creed in TNA, has been on My Take Radio you know, at, at least three times. Uh, WWE announced that Xavier Woods is going to be co-hosting the South by Southwest uh, Gaming Awards March 18th alongside Sonya Reed, a.k.a. OMG, it's Firefox. Uh, definitely, uh, again, a great thing for Xavier Woods, who, when it comes to mixing pro wrestling and gaming, he does a tremendous job. His channel, Up, Up, Down, Down, is a treasure trove of awesomeness, whether it's trips down memory lane with old school games or just seeing some of your favorite superstars uh, really excited for video games like the rest of us. I think, you know, Xavier Woods has been killing it, and I'm super, super happy for him. All right. To wrap things up, let's get into some predictions. On the NXT side, of course, we got NXT TakeOver. Uh, some really good matches on deck. Roderick Strong taking on Andrade Cien Almas. Um, I think Roddy is going to go over in this match. I think they're going to start grooming Roderick Strong as the next guy to probably challenge Shinsuke Nakamura sooner rather than later or Bobby Roode, depending on the outcome. But I feel that Andrade Cien Almas is definitely going to push Roderick Strong 
and um, he's going to do a good job in getting Roddy over. Now, Eric Young and Ty Dillinger, as much as I like Ty Dillinger, I know that they're really going going hard with Sanity and Eric Young at this point. I would love to see Ty Dillinger win. I would also love to see Ty Dillinger show up in the Royal Rumble as number 10, but that's just me. In any case, um, like I said, even though my my heart wants Ty Dillinger to go over, Sanity is really starting to pick up in NXT, so I definitely see Eric Young walking away the victor in this match. The NXT Women's Championship will be defeated, defended in a fatal four-way with Peyton Royce, Nikki Cross, Billy Kay, and Asuka. Uh, I think this is going to be a match that has all the capabilities of stealing the show. I like what they're doing with all four of these ladies. And even though Asuka has every opportunity to lose the belt, I don't see her doing so just yet. I feel that the match itself is going to be very good. And I think that even though I'm not a big fan of Peyton Royce or Billy Kay, I think the ladies will step it up for this match, and we are definitely in line for something special. The NXT tab t- Tag Team titles are up for grabs with the Authors of Pain taking on DIY, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa. And again, it's easy to think that the Authors of Pain are going to go over in this match, and I, I, can't, I can't disagree. As much as I want DIY to remain champions, I also feel that DIY are are guys that you can use on the main roster or on 205 live which was something that's been rumored for quite some time the authors of pain they're they're okay i'm not i'm not a big fan of the gimmick personally but they're all right you know if you want to create this big monster tag team to fill the void left from when the ascension when the ascension got called up then sure but honestly even though i'm you know i'm saying that the authors of pain are going to go over i would not be mad if DIY retained, but I just don't see it happening. The NXT Championship match has Bobby Roode taking on the one and only Shinsuke Nakamura in a match that has all the makings of an instant classic. Uh, I think this is going to be the, the a, a breakout opportunity for Bobby Roode, and even though I'm excited to see Roode in the main event, and he's probably going to have a dope entrance as usual, as is Nakamura, I think Nakamura will retain the championship for now. If anybody sees Nakamura losing the title at any time, it's probably going to be during the NXT TakeOver event before WrestleMania. If anything, that's when I see Nakamura dropping the title, and I see him debuting on Raw or SmackDown right after Mania. I think that's usually the way it goes, and I feel that that's something that's almost a certainty at this point. All right. Let's talk Royal Rumble. We got two matches on the kickoff show, Sasha Banks and Nia Jax, which as much as I as, as I like Sasha and I know that Sasha's super over, I think we're we're really starting to see Nia Jax come into her own and get groomed for a title opportunity. So I definitely feel that Nia Jax is going to go over in this match. As much as I dislike it, I think that is what we are going to see. The tag team title match between Gallows and Anderson and Cesaro and Sheamus I know people want to see Gallows and Anderson capture those titles, but I don't see Cesaro and Sheamus losing them till at least WrestleMania, um, if not after. I think that they've done so much to get these guys over, and they're having fun with it. To have them drop it now may be a mistake. Our Cruiserweight title match with Neville and Rich Swan. I love Swan. I think he's awesome. Fun guy. Incredibly talented. But I think that this is going to be Neville's opportunity, and I see Neville walking away as your new cruiserweight championship uh cruiserweight champion sorry on the women's side bailey charlotte flair 
I think Charlotte's going to keep her pay-per-view streak alive now, and I think that we're going to build towards either a, a, a triple threat or fatal four-way at WrestleMania with Bailey possibly getting her you know, big WrestleMania moment at that time. Until then, I think that Charlotte's just going to hold on to the title for the time being. The WWE Universal Championship up for grabs. No DQ match. Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho suspended above the ring. <sighs> you know, it being a no DQ match is definitely of concern. I feel that it being a no DQ match will allow Kevin Owens to retain. Maybe someone new will join the fray and cost Roman Reigns the match. Perhaps Braun Strowman, which is what I've been hearing. But we shall see what happens. I think that if there's no real there's no real outside involvement, I see Roman Reigns capturing the Universal Championship and leaving the Rumble and heading with the belt to WrestleMania. As for the WWE Championship match between Cena and AJ Styles, I love the story going in. I love AJ as champion, but Cena is knocking on the door of history, tying Ric Flair's record. I wouldn't be shocked if Cena goes over to main event WrestleMania as champ. We'll see what happens. That's a match that could go either way, but I think that's the that's the the pick that I'm going with for now. I see John Cena going over. Now, your Royal Rumble match itself. A lot of possibilities, a lot of a lot of different scenarios that could play out. It could be Goldberg, it could be Lesnar, it could be Taker. Um I honestly feel that it's probably going to be The Undertaker. I hate to say it, but I just feel that they're probably going to not not surprise us, but definitely give us something with The Undertaker. I feel that Lesnar and Goldberg are going to fight it out, uh, probably either eliminate each other or something's going to happen. And then, of course, we'll get the big match at Mania, and that'll be it. But I feel that The Undertaker is going to win the Rumble this year. It's terrible to say it's not what I'd like to see, but I feel that that's what that's what we are going to see. It's going to be the Undertaker winning this year's Royal Rumble match. Again, we'll see what happens. It's around the corner. Sunday night, Saturday for NXT, Sunday for the Rumble, and of course, we will recap all of those events next on our next episode of MTR. All right. I think with those predictions out of the way, that is a good way to wrap up the wrestling segment for this week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I've given you guys my take on MMA and wrestling this week. As always, I would love to hear yours. Feel free to reach out via social media, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, on at RageWorks, Rage underscore works, or at My Take Radio. And of course, any of the other social media accounts that we utilize, of course, you can find links to all of those in the show notes. But as always, make sure to get your fill of everything My Take Radio and RageWorks related by heading over to RageWorks. Net. All right, guys. Thank you guys for checking out this week's MMA and wrestling edition of My Take Radio. And I will be back next week to talk Royal Rumble Aftermath, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, 205 Live, the week's wrestling news. Plus, we'll talk about UFC Fight Night and the MMA news for next week as well. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you guys next week. Peace.
My Take Radio is part of the RageWorks Podcast Network, bringing you the best rants about gaming, entertainment, and the works. To find out more, head over to RageWorks.net.